son. If you're listening, I'm dead. But uh, I left you this podcast. You'll be all right. Just pretend that I went out for smokes. Hey, what's up? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, Heads? What the fucking ears? This is the Out for Smokes podcast, and we got a very Italian episode of the show um, today. Uh, we haven't really done an Italian. We haven't really done an Italian episode, so I'm excited. I want to take you guys back to uh, the, the year 1892, the largest lynching ever in on, committed on U.S. soil was done against Italian-Americans. And... Um, and then a bunch of guys came over here and they said, they said, no, we're not going to do that. You're not going to just lynch us. Okay. You're not, no, you're not going to just hang a bunch of us because our penises are too big. We're too smart. <laughs> you can't just do that to our people. Um, what I want to do today, we're going to talk about John Gotti in this episode. I, I think we have a great story here for you guys. We might not be, you know, um, we might not be historians. We might not have, we might have watched half a documentary today and yeah. we're doing this on sort of tangential knowledge that we have. But, but, um, I've, I'm, you know, when I, every week I text the guys, I say, what do you, what do you guys want to talk about? What are you excited to talk about this week? And I was thinking, I think if we if we talked about John Gotti, you know, there's a lot there's a lot there. There's a really good story here. There's great characters. And um, so, yeah, we want to tell you we want to tell you a good story. Yeah. So where do you want to start? Well, there's a uh, Netflix docuseries called Get Gotti, which I watched. It was kind of mediocre. Mm -hmm. But there's also a, a better one uh, by A&E called Gotti, Godfather and Son, mm -hmm. which I also watched. So I got, uh, you know, we got a general sketch of the biography of the man, John Gotti. We can kind of go through it, talk about his life, his experiences, how things have changed. You know, people don't hang out in social clubs all day anymore. No. I think that's been a real detriment. It's caused an increase in the suicide epidemic, uh -huh. mental illness. Uh -huh. You know, people are on their phones all day instead of yeah. at, a, uh, at a social club that the FBI is monitoring, right? hanging out. <laughs> Nobody drinks coffee out of little cups anymore. Nobody they has just a walk around. cappuccino machine running, which interferes with the FBI bug, so right. they can't get good sound quality of you talking <laughs> about a murder, talking about how you're going to shoot some union guy yeah, yeah. for uh, uh, fucking up your friend's restaurant. Yeah, just all day. Um, I, I used to do a podcast called the sit down. All those episodes are still probably up on YouTube. I mm -hmm. think, uh, I did it with the great, uh, Frank Terranova, um, very funny guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we started with Frank Terranova. Frank left the show and I continued doing the podcast. So I've studied a lot of different type, different mobsters. A lot of these guys have very different backgrounds. Some of them are, are, uh, born into the life and, and, and brought into it. Some guys, you know, they uh, like some guys have families that are already involved. John Gotti was a little different. His father was a uh, was a day laborer mm -hmm. and he uh, he didn't respect his father because as a kid, he was like, my father's a my father's a fucking loser. <laughs> right. Instead <laughs> of like 13 kids and a gambling addiction. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. John Gotti was born in 1940. He grew up in poverty in Brownsville, East New York, Brooklyn, which was then and is still today the poorest uh, neighborhood in New York. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe some parts of the Bronx, but uh, uh, he, his father was abusive. He would come home drunk and beat him up and say, this is just in case you think of doing something bad, mm -hmm. just in case you think about doing something bad. So it's like Gotti, John Gotti grew up in, you know, one of the hardest, poorest streets in the country. Mm -hmm. And so by like 14 or 12, he was already involved in criminal activity. He was already on the street. He 
when he was 14 years old, he was trying to steal a cement mixer from a construction site and it fell and it crushed his toes, mm. left him with a permanent limp. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So he had a fascinating life and it's, yeah. uh, you know, he later becomes obviously in the eighties, a media sensation is very charming, very charismatic guy, but you just kind of see when you like grow up in that kind of hard scrabble environment where you have to survive on the street, you do learn to be tough, but you also kind of learn how to be charming, how to talk to people, mm-hmm. how to be flamboyant, mm-hmm. how to make an impression. Mm-hmm. So these are all life skills that uh, that sometimes you can only get through coming up through these kinds of environments. Right. Yeah, that someone running for president could learn from, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Who's that? Anybody running for president oh, can yeah. learn from John Gotti. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people liked him. That's like, anytime I watch something about him, I go, wait, what? Like, they do... They go. All the cops were lo- were looking into it, and they go. And the people were had boomboxes above their head, and you know were cheering for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we'll kind of get into that too, as to why some people would cheer for him. Yeah, what I thought they we are, could, you know, are not retarded or not or whatever. What I thought we could do with this episode is we could talk about some of the other people in his life and sort of compare, you know, compare him to uh, the uh, the other people that he worked with and interacted with and and stuff like that. I did hear a story about him from some documentary that I think it was his son his son saying it mm-hmm. in a different documentary, but he said that one time he robbed this guy's warehouse and the guy was looking for him and then Gotti confronted him. You know, all the, this is like, I, I don't know if this is real or not, but it is a good story because he walks up to the guy and he says, Hey, my name's John Gotti. I heard you're looking for me. And then he pulls a gun out and puts it to his head. And he's like, I'll put two bullets in your head <laughs> right now. And, um, yeah, I think that like people, uh, people need leaders, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then yeah, that guy became you know one of his best friends, mm-hmm. became part of his crew. His name was Willie Boy Johnson, and mm-hmm. he actually has a, a very sad story, Willie Boy Johnson, because he was uh, half Italian, half uh, Native American, mm-hmm. I believe Lenape. Mm-hmm. But um, so he was bullied, like coming up in the neighborhood. His father was an, an, another abusive alcoholic. He was apparently like thrown off the roof of the school at some point and he suffered brain damage. Jeez. So he had, you know, a very tough life, also grew up on the street, became very close with John Gotti, but he became an FBI informant. Yeah. And uh, he spent 16 years as an FBI informant. And then at one of uh, John Gotti's trials where they failed to get him, the uh, uh, really incompetent uh, U.S. Uh, assistant attorney uh, revealed that he was an FBI informant. Willie Boy Johnson was an FBI informant at the trial, and so of course he was uh, shot and killed after. Mm-hmm. For sixteen years, they got yeah. guys being informants. Yeah, you should collect a pension from the FBI after that. Yeah, no, only if you traffic drugs off Air America <laughs> do you get a pension. Yeah, why do people abuse their kids? It's fun. No, it's a good question. Yeah, we'll look into that on on the next episode. Mm-hmm. We'll yeah. dive into that. Um, but yeah. Uh, so Gotti comes up on the street by uh, age 17. He's a driver for Carmine Doc Fatico. Uh, he's a late 40s guy in the Gambino family. He's a captain. And uh, he's like, John Gotti drives him to the racetrack almost every day. And he hangs out at the Bergen Hunt and Fish Club in Queens, New York. You know, just like a social club. And uh, then Fatico has legal problems. John becomes the acting captain of his crew. So he moves up really quick. And it's like he's recognized even by the cops on the street. Like this is, you know, with, with John Gotti, what they recognize is this is a guy's charismatic. He's charming. But they also recognize he's not a womanizer. Like he spends most of his time with his men, like the people 
you know, in his crew or whatever, and they recognize that it's like, yeah, this guy's going to move up in the organization. He's going to advance mm-hmm. because he has that hustle mindset. He's not out there chasing skirts or whatever. He's uh, he's very dedicated to the lifestyle. Right, and he was no fap. I heard. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's a quarter Irish. Yeah. Do you guys remember? You know, it's 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 kind of unfortunate that uh, we've never been in a position where we've had to choose a violent uh, lifestyle. Whether it's hum- whether it's joining Hamas, whether it's joining the mafia, there's that speech that Tony gives Melfi in season two of Sopranos, where he's like, you know, they opened up the gates because they needed worker bees, but some of us were gonna, you know, we're gonna we we weren't uh, we were gonna like sort of build our own life and take what we wanted. Mm-hmm. And he was he kind of says that's why, um, you know why the mafia was formed. So I think it's, it, it, it can be kind of a, it's kind of a good story, you know, mm-hmm. it's about people who, uh, who wanted to sort of build their own thing and, and kind of, you know, did illegal stuff to get there. I mean, there is something really cool about, you know, just beating the shit out of a guy who honks at you in traffic. <laughs> yeah. And then when he goes and tells the NYPD, <laughs> you have him beaten into a into the hospital. Yeah. Have his arm broken and put in a sling. And then he goes to trial. And then the DA makes him go to trial and testify against you. Mm-hmm. And then when asked to pick you out in the courtroom, he says, I don't remember mm-hmm. because he's so afraid of you. Yeah. So it is nice to just like not take shit. Yeah. Not deal with a... Uh, People saying, oh, uh, you almost uh, walked into me because you were staring at your phone while walking, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and just being like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's nicer. Well, there is that part of you that's like, no, actually, I shouldn't have to take that. Yeah. I should be a mob dog. Exactly. But what I've always said about John Gotti is like so many different mobsters have come and gone, but he's he is like the most famous. He's the one. He's the name that we remember. Right. So why do you like so why do you think that is? You know, it's interesting because he's uh, obviously the they talk about Carlo Gambino, uh, the older guys, much more media shy, much more traditional kind of Godfather stuff. And that's, you know, what you would think for the life of crime. You Mm want to be in the shadows. You Mm -hmm. don't want to be on the front page. Mm -hmm. But John Gotti became such a media sensation and he so much enjoyed being a media sensation. Yeah. That he was, uh, you know, he resonates with Zoomers and Millennials. Right. Right. And our social media addictions. Because he definitely wasn't the first, like, celebrity gangster. No, not really. You know, I think Bugsy Siegel palled around with a lot of, sure, uh, yeah. you know, celebrities and stuff like that. But uh, I guess there's that moment in time, too, where it's, like, between 85 and 95, like, mm. when he gets busted and it's, like, you know, he's on the paper every day and stuff, where media is, like, finally in everybody's home and they, like, they got us and every reporter needs a story. That's why, like, the OJ case is so much more popular than other things. Mm-hmm. Why Gotti feels popular because mm-hmm. it's... um. Like everything was a part of the zeitgeist, right? Doesn't it feel like that? Yeah. Like there's these like top tier, like re- everything felt like WrestleMania, you know? Everything like was it, a bigger deal. Yeah, everything felt yeah, like yeah, Andre yeah. versus Hogan. Because there like, wasn't as much to watch. Yeah. There wasn't as much and going so, on. And so yeah. finally, oh, now all of this new 80s media yeah. is going to be reporting on the mob. Who's the head of the mob? It's John Gotti. Yeah. And boy, can he talk, you know? It's like one of those things. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess. So then do you want to get into... Um... Because people go, he wanted it. Like, they go, that was his downfall. He loved the attention. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, but it was also one of the first times that it was like, excuse me, sir! And if everyone had a camera and could film a guy. And right. So it's not so much his fault. What, is he going to hide? Yeah. 
He's just going to try to live his life, and everyone's yeah. up his ass. Yeah. It's cool to beat the federal government. Sure. Nobody likes the feds. Right. And it's cool right. when they try yes. to put you in prison right. for life three times, uh-huh. and you beat them three times. <laughs> and that's like, and that's the, the, the lesson of the John Gotti stories. Of course, he would be done in by his underboss, Sammy the Bull Gravano, who mm-hmm. turns government informant. Mm-hmm. And Sammy the Bull told the feds he confessed to 19 murders. He killed 19 people. He did five years in prison. And that's the lesson is you can kill 19 people if you help the government get somebody who embarrassed them slightly. Yeah. That's all they care about is when you make them look bad and you get nicknamed the Teflon Dawn, they hate you more than anybody. (laughs) Right. So you just help them get revenge and you can kill a bunch of people. You can be a prolific serial killer and get away with it. It's really funny when you watch these documentaries because the feds are like very, they're still very like pissed at them. And they're like, I don't understand what the big deal was. I don't know. I, I it, it kind of bothered me that he became like a celebrity. Right. That's the best part of the documentary because it's like the Netflix documentary, the Get Gotti thing. Like a big chunk of it is just the police sucking themselves off yeah, about yeah, how yeah. clever it is. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, "But why did everybody like Gotti? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he yeah. was a crit." It's like because we fucking hate you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you guys are really annoying. Yeah. And you can only talk about how fucking clever you all are. Yeah. After you uphold this regressive system that says you can't beat the shit out of a refrigerator <laughs> repairman for honking at you. you can't. Some Polish refrigerator repairman honked at John Gotti, so of course he and his friend beat the shit out of him and stole his wallet. Yeah. And that's fine. You should be able to do that. Yeah. It's a great it's a great lesson on like what to do when you're powerful. Right. Because you have somebody like Paul Castellano who was the boss of the Gambino family. Mm-hmm. And um you know, he lived in like this giant like white mansion, Staten Island, yeah. In Staten Island. Yeah. He lived in this giant mansion and he was very like he definitely made a lot of money. He was very powerful. But I think the reason the reason Gotti was able to kill him and not deal with any repercussions was because he kind of had the loyalty of the other guys on the street because hmm. he had been on the street. I think Paul Castellano sort of came. He was like the son-in-law of Carlo Gambino or something like that. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, when Carlo Gambino died, um, he uh, he picked Paul Castellano. Carlo Gambino dies in 1976. He uh-huh. picks uh, Carl, uh, Paul Castellano to succeed him. Yeah. And then, of course, John Gotti would have uh, Paul Castellano killed December 16, 1985, outside Spark Steakhouse in Midtown Manhattan. Yeah. 5.30 in the afternoon, right? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Mm. But you kind of think about like what it means to be a mob boss. It's like, all right, I'm I'm the mob boss. Everybody works for me. I have all the money coming in, and then it's like, well, what do you really what do you really do with that money? Mm. You know, and it's like you can either be an old man who sits in an apartment and just accumulates money, and you can be, um, you know, somebody like uh, somebody like Chin Giganti who's like who's like pretending he's insane and peeing in the street. <laughs> Or you can like That's enjoy, yeah. <laughs> I guess that is pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you think um, he's crazy, like the, but he's all these guys, all the, yeah, but all these guys like hated the, all these old school, you know, bosses. They all hated Gotti and like wanted him dead. Yeah, yeah. Vinny the Chin tried to have him killed, actually, for the pa- Paul Castellano hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, when you flaunt and stuff, and they did, he they killed him. It was like right before Christmas. 5.30 in the afternoon uh-huh. in an important in a busy part of Manhattan on like 46th Street. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, we don't book the mob like television, you know? Like we don't do it during primetime hours and yeah. make sure everybody sees it. Mm-hmm. It's, it is something that we're supposed to hide because it's the mob and it's not just 
a few of us getting in trouble. It's our families and, mm-hmm. you know, our kids, this and that. And mm-hmm. like at the end of the day, Gotti um, and this whole situation, it's like, yes, yeah, Sammy ratted him out, but it's like 200 people were arrested, almost 200 people. Mm. You could blame Gotti for being like, hey, let's make the mob famous. Like mm-hmm. it's not supposed to be. Yeah. You are supposed to hide in, in your riches because it's illegal. Yeah. And you have a lot of people under you doing illegal things who can get in a lot of trouble and not just them, but you know, their sure. families can be destroyed. Yeah. And but that's not fun. No, no, I agree. You know? I agree. Yeah. But it's like the only thing I do disagree where I go yeah. like, yeah, if this was the music industry, I'd be like, everybody should hear Gotti's music. They're yeah. fucking great, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's like, it's a type of industry that you actually, a big part of it is, hey, shut up. Yeah. And he couldn't do that. Yeah. You know? So that's unfortunate. It really is the two types of mob bosses is Vinny the Chin Giganti and, and John Gotti. It's mm-hmm. like wearing flashy $2,000 suits to your trial or just like pissing yourself in public <laughs> so people <laughs> leave you like, alone. Those are like the only options. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, yeah, wearing a bathrobe, pretending to be senile and pissing yourself. Yeah. So nobody pays attention. Yeah. I guess I, I guess I spend a lot of time thinking about like what are the most what are the most important things in life? You mm-hmm. know? And like, yeah, obviously money's important, family's important. Being able being being able to provide for your family is important. But also like being liked by everybody, <laughs> I guess at least to me, is important. Yeah. I want I I I do like I think more than anything, I want everybody to like me and think I'm great. (laughs) 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 You know, I do kind of want to be popular. Because as soon as you admit that or like people will sense that you want everyone to like you, there's just people who don't like things because everybody likes it. It's just impossible. Yeah. But I think that there's a there's something to be said about like the way that you treat people and make people feel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Very very charismatic guy. I, I I was on a podcast last week and we were talking about what uh, what it means to be charismatic. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure. I don't know who like I don't like who do we know? Who do we know that's charismatic? Oh, I mean nobody really like <laughs> off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. I know personally. <laughs> Truly. But I think John Gotti like was, mm-hmm. and so I think that kind of does like mean something. There's a way that you there's a way that you want to like conduct yourself and live your life. Yeah, he conducted himself like he was running for mayor. It's very yeah. sweet. Like you want to be you want to be cool to some extent. You want to figure out what it means to be cool. Yeah, like and, there's all these stories of him. Like something bad would happen in the news. Not even a big deal. Like a boy got his dog stolen or something, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was like, let's get that dog back, or like yeah. let's make sure he got another dog. Like yeah, there's yeah. all these little little things, yeah. things that the news can report on and go, hey, did you see John Gotti like handing out fifty dollar bills to the home? You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's hard to deny the good, but then you can always question it and go, oh, is that so people would like him, so he could have people shot you in the back know, of the head? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in limos and stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. There was a guy that I worked with. He lived in East New York and he said that John Gotti would come by and like hang out with the kids. He was a he was a black guy from East New York. But he said Gotti would come out and hang out and like hand out fireworks. That's cute. Yeah. That's awesome. It was like uh, well I read that, that So so you but you're right, Scott. I think whether or not it's like it's like true, there is something to be what whether or not it's authentic. There you is have to something question to it because it's like, yeah, like every rapist, there's like 10 women who are like, well, he was my best friend. So mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, because they have to lay the lie. Yeah. But I think it is good to be popular. Don't you don't want to try <laughs> too hard to be popular. 
But yeah. if you're if you're no, cool, you're if doing you're, crime or being innocent, you should your goal should be walking around, trying to make eye contact, shaking yeah, hands, yeah. saying, "Hey, do you need a jacket?" And it seemed like John Gotti did shit like that. You got to like, make people feel good. Italian Robin Hood. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The um, yeah. well, he we mentioned he grew up in East New York, but the uh, the yeah, he also lived in like a four bedroom house in Howard Beach. Like he didn't, you know, eventually he, really... he got yeah, he moved out to Howard Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so yeah, he didn't, he didn't live in a giant mansion. Like, no, uh, he was a man of the people. Yeah. He was, uh, adjacent to the neighbor who accidentally killed his son with his car. Well, that's a bummer. Then, I mean, I was, uh, yeah, that's a, that's really sad. He was, uh, and then his, uh, his wife heard him having a barbecue and having too much fun. So she made Gotti kill him. Yeah. So what was the guy, what was the Frankie, Frankie Gotti was his son. That the was, son he was 12 years. Uh, yeah. I believe he was 12 years old. And so he's riding his bike in the uh, in the street one day in 1980, yeah. And his neighbor um, runs him over with a car, yeah. Which that's got to be such a weird thing to be like, okay, I, okay, yes, I just hit a kid with a car. Okay, I think the kid's dead, but at least he's not drunk. Yeah, it's like son. I, I messed up. Oh, I really messed oh, up. Boy. It's a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh right. no, right? This kid isn't right because you're just. You're just drunk out of your mind, you know. Yeah, you know it's John Gotti's kid because he has a he has a mink coat on for some reason <laughs> <laughs> and Ray Bans. All right, let's be respectful here, Scott. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, sorry, but yeah. So then I think what happened was like he runs over John Gotti's kid, and uh, and then he didn't. Something happened where like he didn't go to the funeral or he didn't like apologize in person. Which it's yeah. like. There's yeah. a couple different, like uh, okay. the way the the Godfather and Son uh, documentary talks about it is, um, he, the the wife or the son uh, got John Gotti's wife, the mother of the kid who was killed, uh, Frank. He was, um, she heard him having a barbecue, mm-hmm. was having too much fun, and she like r- ran after him with a bat or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he was like running away, but he said something like, your kid shouldn't have been on that fucking bike anyway, or something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my and then, you know, so then John Gotti takes a trip to Miami, so he's out of town, and then this guy's sitting in a diner, and three guys, uh, three or four guys kidnap him out of the diner, they put him in the back of a truck, they beat him with baseball bats, and they shoot him, and then the body disappears, mm-hmm. which is, you know... It's what little Frankie would have wanted. <laughs> if I was 12 years old riding my fucking moped... I would definitely want the guy who hit me with his car to be tortured and killed. But see, yeah, what now let me ask you this. What would you do if you ran over John Gotti's son? How would you like how do you, how do you even handle that? <laughs> I'd keep driving west. Yeah. I would just go. Yeah. I think I'd be I would, like I would immediately be Googling uh weather in Guatemala. Yeah. 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 Currency exchange you, in Havana. You bury uh, John Gotti's kid in the pet cemetery. <laughs> you like drive to Pennsylvania. It's like, well, and then you bring him back the next day. <laughs> looks, looks like it's time to download Duolingo Spanish app because I'm going to be speaking Spanish for the rest of my life. Hey, John, I got some good news and some bad news. The bad news is I ran over your kid with my car. The good news is. I buried him in the pet cemetery, and now he's evil, but he's back. <laughs> yeah. No, we might have a good killer on our hands. Yeah, yeah, John, yeah. listen to me. Yeah. Yeah, you bury John Gotti's kid in the pet cemetery. He comes back as a U.S. attorney. Yeah. He works for the FBI now. He becomes a fed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did you do to my son? He plans January 6th. Gets all those innocent people locked up. Yeah. John, it's um, your son Frankie. I work for a fusion center now. I'm a yeah. Fed. I spot. I gang stalk Americans. Yeah. How, how? Why would you say that to a to the? 
to the kid's mother, though. Yeah, oh, honestly, I didn't know that part. He, you deserve everything you get. You can't say things like that. Well, he didn't say. He said, "Why was the kid riding the bicycle?" But that's the other thing, like that gaudy Godfather and Son doc. She's like, "Oh, good point. I never thought about it that it's way." Like, oh, he should have had his driver's license. Uh, He's a little boy. Uh, you fucking idiot. <laughs> That's why he was riding a bicycle. Oh. Hey, you know, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Now that I see it from your perspective. Oh, he should have been in a spaceship, perhaps, you fucking moron. Yeah. See, the thing is, though. I think that guy was drunk, though. He probably was. Yeah. But that Wait, kid, driving? Or yeah. At the, the bar. Driving, no, yeah. the kid. The, the kid, <laughs> the kid, <laughs> the kid, the kid was drunk. <laughs> the kid was Frankie was uh, <laughs> wasted on his tricycle dealing with learning his father was in the mafia. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, but that Gotti Godfather and Son documentary on A and E, it's mm. better than the Netflix one. Mm. I think it is a good documentary, but you do have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. Like you know, John yeah. Gotti Jr. Yeah, like he was played a big part in making it. He's mm. interviewed in a lot of it. Other mm. members of the Gotti family are interviewed. It's like John Gotti Jr. Like these, they're all consummate liars. So you do have to understand. Right. It's like that. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but it's like that's what this episode is just going to be like. How we can tell the best story, I think. Yeah. Or what the what the takeaways are. Right. So you it's like really. the, the story that the guy said to their mother. Uh, what the, what was he doing riding that bike, anyways? Mm -hmm. That comes from. We don't know if he actually. It's like. Oh yeah, sure. this guy our father tortured and killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Let's let's right. get an uh, anecdote about him being a dick oh, into right. into this document. So it's like, yeah, maybe he said it, maybe he didn't. He said, "What was your son doing riding that bike anyway?" And also, I'm racist. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the last straw for John. He just couldn't stand that. Yeah, using those racial slurs. Yeah, and also, I don't think women should be in po positions of power. Um, this, there's like so a yeah. there's some John Gotti quote about like it's never okay to be an N word. Really? Like, yeah, I, I don't know where it originates. But oh. it's like, you know, I mean, so many people idolize this guy. And, uh, oh. There's, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Why didn't you tell me that before the show, before I was singing his praises? <laughs> now there's I got to walk of, back all my comments. A lot of great rap songs called John Gotti. Draco the Ruler did one. Right. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but then there's like this other anecdote. Maybe he said it's never, maybe what he said was it's never okay to act like an N-word. <laughs> yeah, maybe he was doing a Chris Rock bit. <laughs> yeah, maybe what he said was there's blacks and there's... <laughs> there's this other anecdote from the Netflix documentaries. One of John Gotti's associates, they talk about like once he started, you know, like after he beat the first case, like he was a celebrity, all his crew was celebrities. Mm -hmm. Like Andy Warhol did uh, John Gotti's portrait for the cover of Time magazine. Mm -hmm. And so one of John... Right, Gotti there's a reason everybody likes this guy. So one of John Gotti's associates is saying, like, in the 80s, they were all just, like, at clubs with, like, Andy Warhol and David Bowie all mm -hmm. doing coke together. Mm -hmm. And so he says, uh, Brooke Shields, the actress, came up to John Gotti and put her phone number, like, in his, you know, suit pocket or whatever. Uh -huh. And so John Gotti just rips it up, and his associate asks, like, what the fuck are you doing? That's Brooke Shields. She mm -hmm. just gave you her number. And he's like, she's, she's my daughter's age. I'm not gonna do that. Oh, that's wow. like, awesome. That's like, <laughs> he's like, she's Mossad. <laughs> and you're right. This all this could be totally made up. Right. Yeah, that's but, the thing. It's but, like these are all fucking mob liars. We don't know which of these stories no, are no, true. No, no, but you're so good at telling the stories. But that's though. what I'm saying. But you gotta give people stories. Yes. You know? And if yeah, if that is true, like that is very cool. Right. We stand an unproblematic king. Yeah. Who uh who recognizes <laughs> the power and balance in an age gap relationship. Exactly, exactly. Hey, let it date Harvey Weinstein. It's not for me. <laughs> yeah, they had celebrities at his uh, trial. Mm. Grandpa Munster was there. That was like the only guy I recognized. But 
Yo, my father, he always said trans women are women. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, my father said that, uh, you know, hey, black lives matter. <laughs> my father actually invented the phrase black lives matter. Yeah, my father, he said end the blockade. Yeah. One of the last things. End the siege of Gaza. Yeah. Do you think he'd be uh, pro? Because the thing is, like, whenever whenever someone threatens institu- institutional power, they always have to smear them. Whenever there's a charismatic leader, mm-hmm. you know, if there's some, some Palestinian guy who's popular, they got to kill him with a car bomb. Yeah, that's true. With yeah. John Gotti, they got to kill him with stomach cancer. So. Got to kill him with a bullshit legal case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. John Gotti Jr. said it was stomach cancer because of uh, the p- water at that place. Oh, Did yeah. you see that at the prison? With him? At the prison, yeah. Oh. He said he had wounds in his mouth from, I guess, because he got beat up or something. Mm-hmm. And they they still made him drink uh, the water there, even though they knew it had like dirty shit in it. And mm-hmm. he was like, four months later, he had cancer, which is not how cancer works. No, but know. the feds are, but we all know the feds are haters. Yeah, they're absolute haters and they killed him, I think. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Gotti got beat up in prison. Then he tried to have the tried to pay the Aryan Brotherhood to kill the guy. Yeah, oh, he yeah. beat him up. Yeah. Well, one of the main um, FBI agents that was like uh, tasked with uh, you know with the case, it was this, he was this guy named uh, Bruce Mao. He was mm. from like Iowa or something like that, and he was a very mild mannered mid. Because if you to join the FBI, you can't even like have ever smoked weed. They they relaxed it a little bit. Oh yeah. Now I think, but at the time smoked, like five times or something yeah so it's funny the difference between like you know john Gotti and this guy who's very mild-mannered and well Gotti was very anti-drug i mean in that like he told his kids like if you ever do drugs i'm gonna make sure you disappear or you know shit like that okay and he like and the feds could never connect him to actually dealing drugs like as far as we know john Gotti never dealt drugs but people in his crew dealt drugs and they kicked up a percentage to him certainly Mm -hmm. well and a a big issue older mob guys had with him is like the drugs he wanted to bring in too right but that also seems like of the time it's like oh oh, we're not going to sell heroin and coke Mm -hmm. it's it's the drug of the time, and we are the people that sell illegal things. Right. right. Well, that's uh, that was the big dispute with Paul Castellano, who he would have killed, is uh, Paul Castellano and some of the older school mob guys, who or the bosses or whatever, they were rich, and they didn't want anybody in their association dealing drugs because drugs came with you know a 20 or 30 year prison sentence and the idea would be creates rats yeah it would create rats they would cooperate so the kind of the edict was if you deal drugs you'll get killed and of course exceptions were made people looked the other way but Gotti like what eventually would lead him to kill Paul Castellano is in 1983 like 16 members of John Gotti's crew would be indicted for uh, among other things, uh, some of it was drug trafficking charges. So Paul Castellano was like, we're going to have to kill these guys. And it included like Gotti's brother, his best friend, you know. So it's like, and then <clears throat> from 1983 on, they were trying to resolve the situation. And eventually Gotti kind of gets wind that Paul Castellano is going to have him killed. So he kind of strikes first. Mm-hmm. Like Paul Castellano wanted to have him killed after Christmas. And John Gotti was like, no, let's we're have him killed before Christmas. December 16th. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, December 23rd, when yeah. everyone's, like, checked out. I can't wait to spend Christmas with my my family. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about uh, we'll talk about Sammy the Bull a little bit? Yeah, do, do you know who he was raised by at all, Sammy the Bull? I think his dad was, like, a tailor or something. Like, oh. he was from, like, a working-class family. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he was just a guy who, like, was always going to be a criminal. Be a killer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's guys like right. that. They're, like, the most loyal 
it seems at first it's like a disability and mm-hmm. they're also part of that is like yeah I'll kill for you if you mm-hmm. love if you love me mm-hmm. uh he seemed to truly love everybody in the mob like that yeah. that is what i realized when he, when he does rat he rats because he feels as though Gotti ratted on him yeah right right, right. and in my opinion yeah. like it, Gotti didn't rat enough yeah but to a guy who like is crazy and loves you yeah. it's enough of a lie for him to be like fuck it yeah he betrayed me well the other thing is a Gotti wouldn't get close to anybody who didn't do time like he didn't because there was a thing in the in the Gotti movie as well mm-hmm. like he doesn't and sammy the bull never really did time that's right. So he kind of like sort of he messed up. Yeah, he sort of like broke his own rule mm-hmm. by by letting him get close. But also like yeah, I guess you could say Sammy the Bull was kind of a, a gangster in the way that you're supposed to do it. Just rat on everybody and well, look out well, for yourself. Well, no, because like Scott said, I mean, he thought that he felt that God he kind of ratted on him and betrayed the ideals of what but, the mafia was. I, I sent you guys. There's a clip of him on uh, on that I saw on TikTok and he's like, they go, who was the worst New York city boss? And he's like, I know it's uh kind of personal, but I, I got to say John Gotti, he, <laughs> he really wrecked the mafia, <laughs> which is a very funny perspective. I never thought of it that way. He, he did kind of like ruin, he did sort of, you could look at it as that he, he ruined a good thing, hmm. ruined it for everybody. I, I also think Sammy though, like, because again, it's such a beef between the two and the whole time we're watching this issue between them. But what, what Sammy's doing is ratting out everybody. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, once Gotti's up, it's like now they can look in everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of me does think even though Gotti did rat him out enough, he still, you have to take it. Like you signed up for the mob mm-hmm. and part of signing up for the mob is like you take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think he said he was like, he was going to go to jail. No, I was going to go to jail and he was going to be free. He's like, that's a rat. That's a rat move. So in Sam, in his, in, in uh, yeah, I guess it's just like it is, but it's like again, you're not just getting him; you're getting everybody. Yeah, it's, you're knocking down everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Gotti did ruin the mob, and so did Sammy. The they both ruined the mob. These two mm-hmm. idiots. Mm-hmm. Unless it's still going on, it feels like the mob is done. I hope it's well, still flourishing, and they just learn their lesson and they're hiding. Well, you mansions. remember a few years ago there was that like QAnon guy that killed the boss of the Gambino family no, in his what? driveway. Yeah, I don't remember this. Yeah, there was like some like Sicilian guy who was running the Gambino family. And this QAnon guy, but I don't know, I, I don't remember why he did <laughs> no, it. No. This this QAnon guy who was like a 28-year-old, like he backs his truck into his car, into the mob boss's car in his driveway. The guy comes out, he like looks at the damage, they end up like shaking hands. And then he pulls out a gun and kills, he kills the mafia boss. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Which, whatever whatever happened with that, I, I forget. I mean, I'm sure he pled out for insanity or something. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, it's like, I'm so glad politics is back and mm-hmm. QAnon is making people behead their fathers and <laughs> kill mob bosses again. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Dude, it got so boring when it wasn't an election year, but yeah. now political murder's back, baby. Yeah. Um. But with Gotti, I guess, you know, I just wanted to kind of run through some of the biography. We were talking about um, <clears throat> he was uh, the driver for Carmine Doc Fatico by age 17. He's already acting captain of the crew with the Fatico's legal problems. Uh, Gotti robbed trucks in the 1970s. He did it with uh, Tommy DeSimone, who was Joe Pesci's character in Goodfellas. Um, <clears throat> but kind of what makes him is in May 1973, Gotti and some others from the Gambino family, they kill uh, James McBratney. Who was an Irish gangster nicknamed Jimmy from Queens, 
1973. <clears throat> uh, Gotti and two others, they go into a bar. They say, we're detectives. We're taking you with us. And he's like, you guys aren't no fucking cops. <laughs> yeah. And so they just shoot him and kill him in the bar. Um, and they did that because he was, uh, James McBratney was kidnapping mob members. He was kidnapping made, made guys and, you know, holding them for ransom. And at this time, Carlo Gambino was still alive. So, uh, one of the people that he kidnapped was Carlo Gambino's nephew and they mm. killed the guy. So Carlo mm. Gambino puts out the hit and, uh, John Gotti and his crew, they take it. And eventually, isn't it crazy that the three of us we don't do anything like brave like that? We don't kidnap mobsters, dude. I don't, don't even we don't sit shoot at a IDF bar. soldiers with sniper <laughs> rifles. Yeah, every yeah. time I hear like, "Oh, this guy was out and he got shot," it's like I don't go out and like if I was doing crime, I definitely wouldn't go out. Yeah, I don't do nothing and I don't go out. Yeah, if I'm criming it up, I'm hiding all the time. Yeah, they're just out at bars. Yeah. Oh right, right. Out of your mind. I think they probably had places where they felt safe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. They're also Conduct business. Maybe like, not the smartest guys in the world. Only three channels at the time, so you just right. can't you can't true. watch Netflix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. After yeah. you've been fucking kidnapping made guys and putting get... a target on your back. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, I would stay home and play PlayStation. There's nothing, but there's nothing. There was on. no PlayStation yet. You have to leave the house. Yeah, you're like, no, I can't watch another Mash rerun. I have to. <laughs> yeah, have to go to this bar. Yeah, that everybody knows I'm at, but it's actually really interesting. <laughs> Do you also think that like um, when you think of like reaching the top in life, or or what's like what's important? Like like I said, obviously money's important, security is important, but being friends with famous people is kind of also cool. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like the few people that we know that are kind of famous, it's nice to have those friends. Yeah, like like there's probably people who are rich, but are like, how do I? How do I, you know, how do I hang out with Nick Mullen? <laughs> um, it's but, just there's, I'm, I, I, like, as I'm saying, is there's more to life than like accumulating money. That's kind of my main takeaway. Yeah, I mean, it is a nice thing about the internet is you get to meet and spend time with just really cool, interesting people. Yeah, you know. Yeah. To, uh, but w- what I wanted to say was uh, with regards to James McBratney. And his murder, God, John Gotti only does four years. Mm-hmm. And that's because uh, Carlo Gambino hires Roy Cohn for him. Mm-hmm. And Roy Cohn, of course, as an attorney, he worked with Joseph McCarthy at the McCarthy hearings. He's, of course, uh, worked with Donald Trump, heavily involved in Republican politics, you know, very cutthroat, died of AIDS eventually. Um, but Roy Cohn's fascinating <clears throat> because if you read like Whitney, Whitney Webb, among others, she alleges he was heavily involved in like pedophile blackmail shit like all sorts of really dark stuff mm. it was a very powerful republican political operative and <clears throat> so he's the attorney for john Gotti. he gets them this plea deal where john Gotti pleads to uh attempted manslaughter you know for just shooting a guy dead in a bar and mm. does four years mm. and i just found that so interesting because it's like well peter dale scott always talks about when you know he's like the guy who coined the term deep state and the way he actually and this term is so abused what is a deep state the way he actually defines it is these areas of interlink between um intelligence agencies organized crime and uh business or or you could substitute intelligence agencies with the political system and so a guy like roy Cohn is so fascinating because he moves between the mafia and the legitimate political world and the business in the legitimate business world like donald trump or whoever and he moves so seamlessly between all three of those those arenas of what we call the the deep state and that's those are the kind of guys that i think define real power in this country 
And so, and you know, like another thing with Gotti is like the mafia, particularly in the seventies and the eighties, they were heavily involved with child pornography. Like, Oh yeah. Um, uh, you know, there's this guy. Actually, I didn't know that. I know, I know. I can cut that part. Yeah, <laughs> pro Italian yeah. episode. I yeah, never really. heard of an Italian doing a thing like that. Actually. I never heard. No Italian's ever <laughs> yeah. done a thing like that. Yeah, they all want to fuck old ladies. Yeah, the guy, like one of the guys that John Gotti would uh, would go down for killing at his final trial, is he would be caught on tape uh, talking about murdering Robert Di Bernardo or DB, DIB. Uh, Robert Di Bernardo was a guy who was. Uh, you know, in Times Square in the 1970s, they were just openly selling child porn, which oh, yeah. it's like there's an M&M store there now. Yeah. It was a different time. Yeah. Uh, and they would have all those peep show booths and stuff. And like uh, Robert Bernardo, he was... Uh, and then Giuliani cleaned it up. And <laughs> people hate him for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why is everyone mad at our yeah. hero Giuliani? Bunch of pedophiles. Now, we're now a pro Giuliani. Miss the old New York. Pro Giuliani podcast. Uh, Robert DiBernardo <laughs> was, uh, he ran one of the largest porn operations in the country. He was extremely wealthy. He was, um, uh, he becomes a member of the Gambino family. His competitors are threatened out of business or they're brought into his network. Tell some other porn producer, quote unquote, the family is in control of his, um, his porn business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so he goes, he's murdered. He goes missing in 1986. And at the time, John Gotti's in jail and he's caught on the federal wiretap discussing, uh, discussing this murder. He says, quote, when DB got whacked, they told me a story. I was in jail when I whacked him. I knew why it was being done. I'd done it anyways. Um, and that's because like Sammy, the bull, I guess, told John Gotti that, this guy, Robert DiBernardo, was talking bad about him behind his back. And then after he's killed in 1986, Sammy the Bull then takes, a, or I guess John Gotti actually inherits his porn business. Um, the mafia is so annoying. You can't even like talk shit about people. You can't even like make fun of them. But yeah, like at the time of his death, Robert DiBernardo was a part, he was, he was the target of a federal investigation into child pornography. And this is like, you know, if you want to, um, at a future date, we'll, we'll talk about, um, some of the serial killers, uh, that have some of these, you know, snuff films or child porn or whatever, who actually distributes this shit, organized crime. Mm. And so there are these kind of links that in glorification of the mafia, it doesn't get talked about a lot. And even the feds, when they're like in these documentaries bitching about why do these people look up to mob guys? Mm-hmm. Well, they don't really talk about this kind of child porn stuff because I think it does kind of touch into uh, networks of, of power in the federal government that people don't like to upset and would rather pretend don't exist. And I can expand on that in a later episode, but um, it, it was just yeah, it's the federal government that's doing the child. There's porn. a lot of, of, you know, the intelligence agencies, there's a lot of powerful, pedophile politicians who are blackmailed through that mm-hmm. uh, you know mm-hmm. so former house speaker dennis hassert would be an example he was a pedophile uh-huh. he's used it to control him i think bill clinton you know yeah i mean yeah this is kind of some dark shit but you know my my point is there are these kind of linkages between organized crime big business and the political system and that's what defines real power in this country mm-hmm. and you're saying child pornography is kind of the through line between it's a big it's a big linkage, yes. Jesus. Mike, Mike's got to take down all his mobster posters. <laughs> yeah. He had a painting commission Just of all these it. guys <laughs> sitting with Tony Soprano at a table eating. Yeah. yeah. But Just it's like, how else do you blackmail people and know that you have them under your thumb? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I guess if you know, if you can 
convict them of murder or whatever else if they, well, if now, they cross. Thank God now in the Godfather. Blackface. Now blackface is just as bad. <laughs> yeah, you have pictures so, of them doing so, blackface. Yeah, yeah. Now it's easier to blackmail a person. Yeah, nobody gets hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no kids are harmed in the just, blackmail of politicians. Yeah. You gotta go, hey, Vinny, come over here. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Jeffrey Epstein should have done. He should have just had blackface parties at his house. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, okay, but yeah, so John Gotti. You know in The Godfather when he's like, right now we got gambling and we got unions. Those are the best things to have, but drugs. What if he's like, right now we got gambling, we got unions, and we got child pornography. Those are the best things to have. <laughs> but what about the drugs? <laughs> um. But okay, so Roy Cohn gets John Gotti this great deal. He does four years. He comes out of jail in 1977. Now he's a made man. Um, and then Carlo Gambino dies in 1976. As we mentioned, he names Paul Castellano as his successor. He passes over the underboss, Neil De La Croce, who um, was a guy John Gotti admired and right, really right. Looked, looked up to. And actually, Neil De La Croce would die like, of cancer early December 1985. So it's like right after this guy dies, then finally... John Gotti kills Paul Castellano. This guy was like a really old school guy that John Gotti looked up to as like, this guy should have been the boss. Instead, he was just the underboss. Mm. And when he finally dies, he's like, all right, now I, there's nothing stopping me from just killing Paul Castellano. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I mean, uh, that that's basically what happens. As we mentioned, you know, in 1983, 16 members of Gotti's crew are indicted, some on narcotics charges. Gotti goes to Neil De La Croce, tries to get him to intercede, uh, but then, you know, uh, Paul Castellano gets indicted by Rudy Giuliani in the commission case in February 1985, where Rudy Giuliani, as the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, he indicts the heads of all the five families all at once. So Paul Castellano, when he's murdered, he's out on $3 million bail, and he's uh, shot and killed by John Gotti. And, um, you know, so then after December 1985, Gotti's the boss. And he remains that way until he's finally convicted, I believe, in 91 is when they finally get him. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I have some details about some of the trials if we want to talk about that. Sure. Uh, we can go into that or we can talk about John Gotti Jr. You know, he tried to have uh, Curtis Sliwa killed. <laughs> it's pretty cool, yeah, because yeah. Sliwa is like bad-mouthing John Gotti and on his, his radio and show. And his father. Uh, so, yeah, like... Yeah, John Gotti Jr., they they had three hung juries, and then finally the feds gave up on trying to uh, convict him for for trying to have Curtis Sliwa kidnapped and killed. Yeah. Yeah, John Gotti Jr., I mean, it's like, and that's another thing, you know, obviously his father wasn't shy about publicity, but he's like so all over the cameras where he's like willing to cooperate and make this documentary about his life, his father's life, and all that, mm -hmm. you know. It's just a very different generation, but it also kind of shows... I mean, his father grew up in abject poverty on the streets where he's he grew up relatively comfortable. I mean, he's right. like, you know, any of us, like yeah. probably a, a more upper class lifestyle than we had. Yeah, I think I think John Gotti Jr. kind of did his best for being John Gotti's son. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, he did. He did grow up a little comfortable, but he was. I don't know. He's a pretty he's a pretty likable guy, I think. Yeah, he seems fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, he kept a. a after he took over his boss, he could have been a total idiot. After he took over his boss, when his father was put in jail, he the police raided him in 1997, and they found a list of all of the made members of the mafia. Oh, really? Of the Gambino family. <laughs> okay. It was all over the papers. They were okay. calling him an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, John Gotti Senior is on. I is, sympathize. It's hard to remember names. You know. Yeah. You're like you want to keep a notes app. Yeah. 
all the girls I had sex with. <laughs> <laughs> What's this other one? What's under this? Yeah. Um, yeah, and even like John Gotti Sr. is on tapes being like, you tell him that me, John Gotti, will sever his motherfucking head off. <laughs> just like very. But but what did he really do that they didn't like? He was just he was just out in public all the time. It's like he wasn't doing anything illegal. I think they were just jealous because he had swag and they didn't. Yeah, basically. I mean, they don't like, they especially, they still complain about him getting that Teflon Dawn nickname because mm-hmm. they don't like that he beat three cases. Right. Which, um, you know, it was, uh, we mentioned this uh, refrigerator repairman, um, Rommel Pajczyk, who's mm-hmm. a Polish refrigerator repairman, honked at him in Queens in 1984. Gotti and his friends punched and robbed him. Uh, he, like, immediately goes to an NYPD cop nearby and is like, hey, this guy just beat the shit out of me and robbed me. So they arrest John Gotti. Uh, and this was in 1984. But then in February 1986, John Gotti's now the boss of the family. And then the uh, uh, the Queens district attorney, they bring him to trial over this. And of course, Pycheck is beaten. He's put in a hospital in Nassau, Queens. Um, no longer wants to testify. They force him to. And then he's, you know, in the courtroom, he says he can't identify John Gotti. So then the New York Post headline the next day is, I forgot he. Because he couldn't identify John Gotti. Mm-hmm. And this is like, this is the first big trial where he like wears this $2,000 suit. And this kind of starts him off on this massive media celebrity mm-hmm. because he's all over the news media. It's like police suspect this guy was behind the Paul Castellano hit. Yeah. And now he's in court, you know, Feb, you know, December, he does the hit. Nothing but news stories about how he's the new boss. February, he's in court. He's wearing $2,000 suits. And then this guy's like, I have no idea who actually hit me in this traffic stop. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so he he just kind of creates his own media frenzy, and especially with, like, the New York papers. All he like, did was honk at him? Yeah, I guess there was, like, a double parking thing, or yeah. I, I forget if, like, John Gotti was double parking, okay. and, like, so he just, like, hit the horn at him. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, let's just go GTA 4. Yeah. Just jack him out of his car and beat him up. Why do you think he was so well-liked? Um, you know, like if you listen to interviews with like people who would be in the neighborhood in like little Italy or whatever, you'll have, you'll see these old Italian ladies go, yeah, my car was broken into in every neighborhood in the city except this one. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, you know, they, and and, you know, obviously they give out turkeys on Christmas or all Mm -hmm. that kind of bullshit, Mm -hmm. you know, which seems like a lot of fun. Just to stand on a truck while they're throwing turkeys to. Yeah. Yeah. And they always go, he kept the neighborhood safe. Which I don't know what that. I think we. Know what that <laughs> I think we means. know what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so that's the first trial that he beats. Then the the Eastern District of New York, September 1986, they charge him with RICO. Yeah. Which because you're right, a lot of the the stuff that the, a lot of the lore of the mafia is kind of a lie. Yeah, I mean they're parasites on the neighborhood, but yeah. then it's yeah, like they're Italians telling a story. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lie. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we're good at telling stories. <laughs> We was the toughest men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, they they don't work. <laughs> they don't do anything. They just sit down Except all day. Big furry coats. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it yeah. is true though. Yeah. It is true. Like some of the nostalgia, like some of the nostalgia is accurate in the sense that yeah, these mob guys were parasites on the neighborhood. They mm-hmm. just sat around. They didn't work. Mm-hmm. They you know took money from legitimate business. Mm-hmm. But then they all get thrown in jail. And what are they replaced with? private equity and finance <laughs> right they all yeah. sit around yeah. yeah they don't work they take money from legitimate business but they don't even live in the neighborhood right. yeah and they're like, not funny right, right. they're not funny they're not they no they're not charming guys uh-huh. i mean it's like yeah now it's just 
all mafia activities have been replaced with, you know, bankers in New York or private equity guys mm -hmm. who just go and fucking smash up some business in Ohio and, and, yeah. and wipe out the pension and the health care and lay off, you know, 20 percent of the workforce and then flip it. And it's like they have they do far more damage mm -hmm. and they're far bigger parasites. Yeah. They operate with far bigger tax breaks, but they don't live in the neighborhood. They're not part of the community mm -hmm. and they're not going to make sure your car doesn't get broken into. Right. They're not gonna. They're, they're gonna. They have all the same parasitism without any of the benefits. So right. things have gotten worse. I think that's what they said about Vegas when the mob ran Vegas. At least they would kind of like it was a little more personal. They would comp you. They would they comp would, you. Yeah, yeah, if you were a high roller. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's why my great uncle would steal towels from hotels all the time because he missed the old days yeah. <laughs> of getting the free. When they used to give them to him. <laughs> yeah, when they used to give him the towels. He's like, fuck this. <laughs> Um, okay, so the second trial, Gotti is in September 1986. He gets hit with RICO charges, murder, gambling, loan sharking, truck hijacking. The government at this point had never lost a RICO case. Mm. And we mentioned, you know, that uh, Willie Boy Johnson was revealed as an FBI informant as the at the trial. Diane Giacolano? Yeah, mm. Diane Giacolano okay. uh, was the assistant U.S. attorney. Giacolo. Giacolano. Oh, okay. Giacolano. I don't know, whatever it is. Gia Colone. Yeah. But uh, she was the assistant U.S. attorney. She's interviewed in the Netflix doc, and I looked it up on the red, and everybody was like, this fucking idiot bitch. She got a man killed. <laughs> How dare she yeah. speak in public? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like, yeah, and she does seem like, it seems like they brought a very thin case, and they revealed this guy as an FBI informant and got him killed for absolutely no reason. Mm -hmm. And then she's in the documentary like, well, you know, if uh, he only has himself to blame for the lifestyle he led, you know, that led to his murder. It's like, yeah, okay, lady. He got the shit kicked out of him by his father. He grew up in the streets in poverty. He was racially abused most of his life. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, he cooperated with the feds, but then he got thrown to the wolves. He clearly had some brain damage. I mean, you know, it's yeah. a tragic story, whatever. Um, but anyway, so yeah, he's found, not, John Gotti's found not guilty. He's the first guy ever to beat a RICO case. Uh, because his uh, lots of in, it, it was partly because the government used a lot of impeachable witnesses, like people who had dealt drugs or committed murders. So his attorneys got him on cross examination. But it was also because the uh, a juror was pay, paid sixty thousand dollars. So like, um, yeah, that that was the other incompetent thing the feds did is they didn't hide the jury coming and going from the media. So the mafia was like, yeah, we just find a juror. And uh, Sammy the Bull Gravano says he gave a juror sixty thousand dollars. Oh, obviously with the obviously with the 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 undertone being if you don't take this money we're gonna fucking kill you right yeah i so. would take it in a heartbeat i mean that's like winning the lottery yeah mm -hmm. you get called for jury duty you think you're like i'm gonna die this sucks oh my god mm -hmm. it's the Gotti case mm -hmm. even worse mm -hmm. i might get harmed mm -hmm. and then you get sixty thousand mm -hmm. dollars you get called for jury duty you're like mafia case mafia yeah yeah case, mafia. i wonder if they took it back from okay but just say you don't know nothing about child pornography <laughs> <laughs> okay and you're you're going to give me what? $4,000? <laughs> and then Gotti beats this case, and, and then immediately after he beats it, he buys a boat named Not Guilty. That's cool. And he gets the, the Dapper Dawn nickname. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, uh, of course, he's the new boss of the Gambinos. He was used to be running that uh, that club in, um, in Ozone Park, Queens, the Bergen Hunt and Fish Club, but now he takes over the Ravenite Social Club in Little Italy, which is the traditional Gambino hangout social club. 
and um, he takes it over. He renovates it. That becomes his new base of operations. I was just looking this up. The uh, Bur- uh, the uh, the Ravenite Social Club is now a men's clothing store in Little Italy as of 2022, and the Bergen Hunt and Fish Social Club is now a tea mania. <laughs> Sells a bunch of tiny suits. A tea mania in a Spanish-speaking church in Ozone Park, Queens. Mm. And yeah, I don't know. I think it is a bad thing that all these social clubs are gone. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Nobody like hangs out anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody who doesn't have a job just yeah. goes there, uh, waits for their envelopes to arrive, and drinks cappuccino. Yeah. So he wasn't, like, running around cheating on his wife. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure he had some affairs, but, yeah, you know. Yeah, no, he had a mistress, yeah. Yeah. But for an, an age-appropriate an, an, mistress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For an Italian guy, he basically didn't, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. You compared him to other Italians. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I like about Johnny Sack and Sopranos. Yeah, he doesn't cheat Just on his wife. Just doesn't cheat on his 400-pound wife. Great story. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so... And then the Netflix documentary talks about the New York uh, State Organized Crime Task Force. They get a they had a bug up in the uh, the Bergen Hunt and Fish Club, his Queens. Mm-hmm. Uh, his Queens Club. And then somebody goes back over the tapes, and they find Gotti in 1986 talking about, we're going to bust him up. He's talking about John O'Connor, the VP of the local 608 United Carpenters Union. He was shot and wounded as a warning. So in January 1989, uh, New York State Organized Crime Task Force brings a case to the Manhattan DA. They arrest John Gotti. Uh, January 1990, the New York State trial begins. This tape is played at trial. Uh, the jury finds him not guilty on all, all counts. And uh, the New York State allows cameras in the court. There are no cameras in uh, in fed tri- federal trials. So this increases his celebrity status. Mm-hmm. And it was like, just because they only had like one tape of him saying, we're going to bust him up and the audio is not clear. So his lawyers were kind of able to create some doubt in the jury's mind. But it's like at this point, he's beaten, you know, the original one um, was uh, the Queens DA. He beat that. Then he beat a federal RICO case. And now he's beat a New York State case. So this is where he gets the Teflon Dawn nickname. And, you know, he goes back to Little Italy. There's like people shooting off fireworks. It's a giant party. Yeah, yeah. You know. And I mean, they didn't do that for Gas Pipe or Giganti or Tony no. Salerno. It's like he wasn't, nobody was as popular. No. Yeah. I mean, there's a victory. Sucks for you guys, but. Victory party in the Ravenite Social Club, yeah. and it is just it's like great to be popular. It's nice to see all that old footage, you yeah. know. It's, I mean, it's it's like when uh, we don't have anybody like that. No, yeah, no. It was like there was some of that when OJ beat the murder charge. Sure, and uh, you know, there's a bunch of white people angry, a bunch of black people celebrating. But it's right. like it's cool when people beat the government. Sure, nobody likes the feds. Yeah. I'll tell you, doing this episode has reminded me that I'm I'm glad I don't do a, a mafia podcast anymore because it's it's fun, it's interesting, but sometimes it is kind of the same story, yeah, over and over again. Oh yeah, and they all suffer the same fate. Yeah, they'll die in prison or get shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, n- none of them are ever like, oh, I'm really glad I did that. <laughs> I'm really glad I dedicated my life to crime. Um, I guess that's it. We could finish over on the Patreon if you want. You guys want to plug anything or any final thoughts? Oh, I got I got shows to plug. If you want to, give yeah, me a second. let's hear them. Oh yeah, we're doing an Alpha Smokes live show oh, on yeah. February fifth. February fifth at the St. Mark's Comedy Club right here in New York City. Our producer Johnny is booking the St. Mark's Comedy Club right now. <laughs> He's like, I'm editing that part out. <laughs> oh, can we not? No. All right. Well. 
Um, so yeah, congrats. Uh, very good. I got some road dates coming up. I will be uh, in Raleigh February 14th at Valentine's Day uh, for Valentine's Day at Charlie Goodnights. And then I'll be in uh, Chicago March 3rd. I'll be in uh, Cleveland March 8th, Cincinnati March 9th. And then I will be in uh, what the hell? I think that's it. Yeah. Oh, and then um, I'll be in Charlotte uh, June 2nd. Hmm. Go to microscenecomedy.com to get your tickets. Uh, yeah. Just get, oh, do you go, do you want to plug? Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, next weekend, uh, February 7th, or he got this wrong. Lewis made this, I looked this up. It's hmm. like February 9th through the 10th, and he put 7th to the 8th. He's wrong. Yeah. Uh, this the and this is on his for? poster that he made and put online, and it's the inaccurate dates. But anyway, what does that even mean? The meaty. Oh, the so it's like mediocre, mediocre, but he's a mediocre. Yeah, but anyway, uh, I'm opening for Luis Gomez uh, in Saratoga Springs, February 9th and 10th, I believe, right. uh, as well as in Poughkeepsie, February 16th to the 17th, and I'm in Connecticut with Anthony DeVito, February 24th. It's a Ryan Brouth gig. I don't know what town that is okay. in Connecticut. Yeah. So what if Luis Chicken was just actually tried to spell mediocre? <laughs> <laughs> You know yeah. what? I thought I hated that part of comedy that where you have to send emails and get yourself booked. Hmm. I mean, I think I'm starting to like it now. That's good. It's like you're you're like a it's like getting on your phone and closing deals. Yeah. You get a cold call. Yeah. And nobody you gotta is hustle. You got to hustle. Malcolm X said everything in life's a hustle. Sell me this dick joke. Yeah. Well, well give me 60 seconds though. Let me just uh finish the John Gotti story cuz I don't yeah, want yeah. to talk. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk about this on the Patreon. We'll okay. have a we'll have current events, we'll have Q&A yeah, guy beheading, beheading his father. <laughs> um but just the the end of the John Gotti story is December 1990. Sammy the Bull, Frank Lucascio, who was the consigliere, Sammy the Bull was the underboss, John Gotti, they're all arrested by the feds. Those 1986 organized crime task force tapes are combined with the 1990 Fed tapes because the feds in like 89, 88, 90, they had gotten a bug up in um, above the Ravenite Social Club. They tried to bug the Ravenite. They, there was no interesting conversations. They realized John Gotti and his associates, his high-level associates, they would go up to the old lady's apartment above and they would just tell this 90-year-old lady, like... Yeah, she was a, like a widow. Her, yeah. her husband used to be in the mob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would just tell her, like, yeah, here's $100. Just, you know, take a walk. And they would discuss murder or whatever. So the feds, they get a bug up there in the apartment. And this is just, like, too much audio evidence. They can't impeach the witnesses. They can't, you know, say nobody knows what he's saying on this tape. Because as we mentioned, you know, he's talking about murdering Robert D. Bernardo, this child pornographer and these other people. And, you know... So at the trial, they play the tapes and they, they have tapes of Gotti bad-mouthing Sammy the Bull, which in turn makes Sammy the Bull flip to the feds at the trial. Uh, Sammy the Bull, he um, tells the feds he paid that juror 60000 in the previous Rico trial, confessed to 19 murders, explained the detail of the Paul Castellano hit. Eventually, he's released after five years in prison and you can still hear him in like podcast interviews and shit, <laughs> arguing with Vlad TV or whoever. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Um, and John Gotti gets life, and he dies in prison of cancer in 2002. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but he's still alive in our hearts. Yeah. And just pretend that he didn't do the child pornography stuff when you, you know, when you need inspiration. That's the thing. Life is complicated. People are complicated, but you try to see the good in everybody. Well, yeah, it's like right, the Super folks? Bowl is like the high, right? It's like the number one sex trafficking thing in the country. It's oh, like yeah. Super Bowl weekend wherever it's taking place. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and but everyone enjoys the Super Bowl, and no one wants to talk about it. And yeah, so, right. It's like, yeah, the weird, weird world we live in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you got to find the good. Find the good in people. Find the good <laughs> stories, you know. 
you can do it. We we're, uh, we love uh, spending a, an hour of your week with you. And uh, we'll see you over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Smokes. Bye, everybody. See you next time.